Hey family, thank you for following and trusting the path that led you here. This is Flow Space, Conscious Conversations with J&D. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Deandra. Our discussions will be led by intuition and spirit as we continue to evolve and learn about what it means to live an earthly human experience. Welcome to the podcast, Phoenix. As you know, I'm Deandra. This is Jerrica. Lovely to have you here. Yes, we are so excited and really looking forward to the medicine that's going to be shared in this conversation. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, as you all said, my name is Phoenix. I am the goddess portal, and I am here to illuminate the path of remembrance of the goddess within, of the mother within. So I do that by... Um, helping you to find your embodiment through movement, through healing and nutrition and all the parts of the body that we often forget about. They're all interconnected. Yeah, and can you go a little bit more into what exactly goddess embodiment means for somebody who may be listening that has never heard the term? So goddess embodiment can be different for everyone. Um, we're all unique beings and that can show up so different and so your goddess embodiment could be you know um sorry <laughs> i get a little nervous okay, okay. Um, so your goddess embodiment is so individual to you and your frequency and what you came to do on this planet so I help you to uncover that confidence within you, whether that's within dance or within exercise or within just nourishing your body properly. Um, I also work with removing or helping you move through different traumas and uh, ways of thinking that are not serving you. And that alone will raise you to your goddess frequency um, in many ways. So. Yeah. Thank you for that. And when you say goddess frequency, can you elaborate a little bit on what exactly that means? Like what is the frequency of the goddess? How does that look? How does that feel? So for me, the frequency of the goddess is being my full authentic self, showing up in my authenticity, even when it's not accepted or maybe it's a little bit questioned. Um, it's dressing in the ways that make me feel sexy, that make me feel fun, that make me feel light. Um, it's for me adorning myself or maybe wearing a little makeup. And for other goddesses, it made me be going completely bare or beating their face, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And when did this path first reveal itself to you? And what did it look like for you embarking on this journey? That's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is after my mother's transition from this planet three years ago, I um, was visited by the goddess Kuan Yin. And I, at that time, I didn't even know there were Chinese goddesses. I was like, what? Who is this? Let me Google this name. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I was just like unfolding from there and kind of 
um, getting to know this goddess. And of course, you know, since I was a child, I had been visited by different beings or ancestors, but this was different. This was like, hey, I'm here to teach you something. I'm here to love on you. I'm here to show you that compassion that you need right now uh, through this hard time. So that's really where I can say this started. And prior to that encounter with this goddess, um, like, did you ever experience anything that allowed you to be like opened and curious or like what sparked inside of you to allow you to be receptive to what you were receiving? And I ask this from the space of where others might receive some sort of like messages or encounters with other frequencies, other beings. And just, I always say it, they contribute it or they chuck it up to their imagination. So they they don't open themselves to the full experience. So what made me open to the experience? I guess I definitely, um, at that time, that's when I first began taking my meditation practice seriously because, um, you know, as life goes, sometimes we just, we don't stick to something and we're not fully devoted to it. But because I was in such a place of pain and grief, I was desperate. I was like, I'll do anything to feel better. I'll do anything to move through this. And so meditation really grounded me in a way that allowed me to really see and feel what was for my highest good and what wasn't. Because I was visited for, you know, by some things that weren't so good either. So I would say meditation for sure. That's really beautiful because you're touching upon like the concept of discernment, like knowing what is for the highest good for not only yourself, but for others. So how did you navigate that? Um, was there anything other than meditation that helped you like activate and be in your power using your discernment? Absolutely. I would say number one um, was Archangel Michael. Um, and growing up, we called him San Miguel and... I always had a connection to him since I was very young. And, you know, growing up around Caribbean spirituality, I did see, you know, my dad doing certain things and my family doing certain things that would um, create protection in the home. Some of which I don't practice anymore because I feel like your vibration and spirituality alone protect you um, and your intention. Um, Yeah, I would say that was how I came across my discernment. I just, and I feel like the, it looks different for everybody, right? Like the way that that unfolds, but that definitely unfolded that way for me. And how did that path of becoming um, in deeper connection with your discernment and making conscious choices, how does that look like for you now? How did that time when you first began um, serve you to get to where you are now? I think I had so many practices. I was like, I gotta do this and I gotta do that. And it was like a little circus show. It was like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Okay, I can't leave the house without this prayer. I can't do this, I can't do that. And it was very restrictive. And over time I began to see, you know, um, cause this all happened during the pandemic. And as life began to become full again, uh, I realized, I was like, uh, this isn't sustainable. I can't just like be out here doing all these, you know, different practices and things. Um, 
And I really wanted to come from a place of protecting and shielding myself in love rather than fear. So um, pointing back to what I said before, definitely it made me realize that my vibration and my intention for myself uh, was what protected me. Um, the most I will do today, like if I know I'm going to go to a, a space that is, you know, questionable or crowded or I don't know what I'm going to run into, I just create a shield, just speak it out loud. I create spirit, I create a shield over my body in order to field everything that does not serve me, does not belong in its field, and anything that's not for my highest good is not allowed. And that's as far as I'll go today. Maybe crystals, I'm not feeling well. I definitely notice that if my physical body is not feeling well, like if I didn't sleep well or maybe it, my workout was too hard, I'm a little bit more susceptible. Um, so yeah, I just take the proper measures according to what I feel called to bring with me. It's a beautiful perspective. Um, it's one that I really resonate with in terms of when you might first begin a spiritual journey, you're not too sure of your power. Like that's the point, like you're connecting back to the power within you. So you really seek um, outside of yourself in like desire of helping yourself. And like all of these different practices or routines, you like one can be very connected to them and almost attached to them. And you feel like you can't do something without doing X, Y, Z. But as you shared in such a beautiful way, like you realize that, you know, you are powerful in yourself. So you don't need to do all of these things. Like, do they make us feel good? Yeah, they do. Do they make us feel stronger? Of course they do. But it's not absolutely necessary because those are all external tools. The tools live within us. And just having the intention of always being protected, always being safe, always being guided to the highest good for others and ourselves. And like really connecting with our heart space and the God within us will allow us to just journey this life without having to do a routine or whatever it is. Yeah, speak that. Love Ooh. it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to cry. It's too, it's too soon to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. You really reflected that back so beautifully. It really amplified what you were sharing, Phoenix, in a way that how it looks individually for all of us, that same message, but yet it lives within all of us. And it speaks to like how you embody the goddess energy now and what that looks like for you now. And it's more of an energy than a practice or anything external. Right. And I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned because this stood out um, in terms of like your upbringing. I think you mentioned it was your father who had certain like practices in the house and how that translates, like all of these different practices, because like when you were sharing um, your story, like about your upbringing, it triggered memories for me and all like surrounding the concept of everybody having specific practices, but uh, associated with whether it's like a religious practice and it's like the Catholic or the Christian church and that being acceptable versus like spiritual practices, even though they're all connected and all the same, they're all rooted in the truth of like love and oneness. Um, but the division that shows up and like the judgment that can come from that when you deviate away from a religious um, standpoint. 
So I wanted to see if you had any experience with that. And if you did, like, how did you navigate that? Or how did you find what works for you, even if you grew up with that um, influence from your childhood? Um, so the question is basically, how did I navigate creating my own practices despite what I saw growing up? Okay. Yeah. Um, Well, I definitely noticed that my father's practice was very fear-based. Um, and, you know, he has his own practice and his own path, and that's for him to figure out. But I think that because the type of practice that he studies can come with, you know, certain darkness, dark aspects of it, if the person chooses to use that, it caused him to be a little bit paranoid, I noticed, growing up. Um, and, you know, on my own journey, I'm still working through the father wound and, you know, the trauma that I experienced with him. But one thing was for certain growing up was like, I don't want to be nothing like him. So that kind of helped. <laughs> um, obviously, my, there are many beautiful aspects of my father that I appreciate him passing down, like my connection to music or my connection to the practice the light aspects of the practice um but i just didn't want to embody that fear i didn't want to be paranoid all the time and i found myself being that way i honestly did um when i like looked deeper at it like where is this coming from and um you know little things like putting water by the door and like this white candle here this white candle there you gotta light it at this time and you gotta feed this deity this and this deity that and not to knock anybody else's practice if you feel called to that then that's you but i i personally honor my deities in my special way right um yeah i got a little bit lost in the <laughs> in answering that but um yeah just like not being so rigid not being so rigid and being open to my practice to a certain deity being very different than someone else's, even though we're, you know, honoring the same one, allowing intuition to lead rather than tradition. Ooh, that's a bar. <laughs> I love that. How did you navigate that space in allowing your intuition to lead when you had these traditions so prevalent in your life? How did you honor it? or find the ability to do so in a way that you were able to continue? It was definitely a journey because I um, definitely have a history with people pleasing and following the rules and like staying in line uh, because of my upbringing. But I found that Again, the best practice was showing up in my authentic self. I could be very childlike in many ways. So just not caring um, what other people would think. Showing, yeah, just like giggling if I wanted to, saying a, an inappropriate joke or if, you know, not too inappropriate. There's a time and a place I, I could realize that. Um, but definitely meditation. And the biggest difference, honestly, was working with a uh, nervous system coach for six months that put me in the most empowered place I've ever been in in my life where I did not question like I knew and if I knew I knew I didn't doubt it 
So definitely regulating myself. I want to unpack that bar that you dropped about the <laughs> intuition um, leading instead of like folding to tradition, because I feel that that is so monumental. I'm like really trying to connect to that concept to have a good understanding of it, um, because I feel like it impacts every single one of us in so many different ways, even in ways that we don't have the awareness of how tradition is dictating our life over our intuition. So if you have any more like insight to share on it, like how to navigate that, how to bring awareness to where tradition is leading over your intuition. I would say um, my personal journey, I mean, plant medicine isn't for everyone and it shouldn't be universal, but that's one of the tools that I use at the beginning of my journey, um, not as an individual, but more so with a practitioner or a shaman. And that really helped me to, because I come from a past of very deep trauma, and that really helped me to really allow my ego to step aside for a second so that I can look at other ways, at new ways, without um, being so rigid. Um, Another aspect that really helped me was admitting that I am a very emotional being. I mean, I have a Scorpio moon and, you know, while we all can be very emotional, you know, um, I just feel things really intensely. And in society, we're so conditioned to lead with logic. And so I have back and forth about, um, if I was right or not, if I was onto something or not, because it didn't look like what I was told it should look like. So really tapping into those emotions was like a game changer for me. My compass. <laughs> yeah. And how did you bring yourself? Because I feel that when questioning the ego or questioning traditions, like all of these things, it can cause a little bit of an, a sense of like, like a shaking feeling, you know, like an ungrounded feeling because you're really forcing yourself to face the truth in ways that maybe you have never experienced. So how do you navigate through that? Like, what are the first steps? Because what comes to mind for me could be like establishing safety and feeling comfortable. Um, but like, what does that practice look like? Yeah, it's totally establishing safety um, in the body and creating routine. For me, what that looked like was creating a morning routine and sticking exactly to it. Okay, I put my, you know, I brush my teeth, I put my cream on, I uh, go to back to my room and this is the mantra I say and this is the meditation I do and this is how long I do it and creating that safety in the body so that my body and my inner child know, okay, this is coming, you're safe, there's structure. That really allowed me to be able to trust that within me. Wow. It's a really, I love that this came up because currently in my personal life, I'm doing a lot of inner child healing. And I feel that this is so deeply connected to that because of like the different programming and patterns 
um, that I was associating with it. But it, I feel like it's deeper than that because it's really traditions and like how you want to uphold the concept of traditions or recognizing that these traditions are not rooted in the like ancient ways. They're rooted in modern society and like different things. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that concept because I feel like that is very impactful. Yeah, and I actually want to go a little deeper into defining like what are traditions because it's interesting what you highlighted how it's different from the ancient ways and they're more modernized. Like what does that disparity look like? And I feel in through defining that we're able to see what the ancient ways truly are that are rooted in deep connection and reverence to our intuition and honoring that. So what are those traditions that have strayed the path from like the root of where the goodness comes from? (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Did I ask it wrong? (laughs) I got lost, girl. Dang, I'm really working on speaking clearly. Was that unclear? (laughs) Both of us, honestly, because like I'd be getting in my head about you know, being recorded and all of that. But I'm sorry. Wait, let's 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 redo that. I tried not to like because I was there with you, but then I feel that like it's a concept that like similar to what Phoenix explained. Like my head just went on a different like tangent. Right. Like yeah. After like a certain part, it was like okay. Like and I just started thinking of whatever you had shared prior to that. But mm. I feel that like what I do recall or what I was connecting to was the sense of like the traditional ways or like the ancient traditional ways being um and you know like I wasn't there but this is what I feel inside if I like connect to that energy is that it was about connection and pureness like impurity connection and purity without manipulation without like egotistical agenda yeah like it was very fair and like while there was a disparity between um economic classes like socioeconomic classes because I feel like you know like you were either really wealthy and like you were the king or in living in a palace or whatever or you were like the opposite where you were serving that class of people but still like there was connection like people believed in like the connection and like things other than what we can see on a surface level. Um, So that's like as far as I got, because then I started going off there. Um, But yeah, I feel like modern traditions are very surface level, like they don't have depth to them. And what comes to mind like immediately, even though it might not be a tradition, um, is like the, the ways like we show up on social media or like that we're passing down to like children like oh like you have to look like this like you have to have the like eyelashes and the nails like and if you do that you know that's fine that's what you choose like that's what makes you feel good but not knowing like the beauty that lives within us without those things and then also the traditions of like Christmas or like major holidays being tainted in the sense like before it would be about a time that everybody gathers and you know shares stories shares food shares energy And now it's like, oh, like, what are you buying me for Christmas? For Christmas, I want X, Y, Z. And that's like tainting the sacredness of a tradition. Hmm. 
How does bringing in your own traditions look like now? Like with everything, I really appreciate how you outlined that all, Jerrica, because it really gives like a basis as to like what it is that we're really talking about. Yeah. Like, was that what you were asking? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I feel it's important to outline that because we all relate to the word tradition so differently because they're so deeply rooted in our childhood and our families. Like no matter mm-hmm. who we come from, even those who believe in nothing, like there's traditions that live within those family structures. So for you, Phoenix, what traditions do you cultivate in your own life or do you connect with or if it's associated maybe with a different word? All I could think about while um, you were sharing was flow, like like flow space, giving yourself space to flow. Uh, I don't, I prefer not to follow traditions, but allow the space to flow within me and within, you know, my auric field and obviously uh, connecting to beings of the highest light, but allowing who's meant to work with me to work with me. Like, oh yeah, this goddess sounds cool or that deity sounds cool, but am I really meant to connect with that being because it's cool or is it, or am I really being drawn to it, to to her or whoever, or um, are they coming to me, right? Like discerning that. but in regards to tradition, I what I felt as I was listening to y'all was it's all it's like it's like the process of reparenting ourselves. It's so much deeper than just reparenting ourselves. It's also retraditioning ourselves, if that's even a word, because yeah, it's like creating new structures, right? or structureless structures in the present, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I like, um, because again, like it brings it back to what you had originally shared in terms of like intuition leading the way instead of tradition, because tradition can be a form of like boxing or confining us to a structure where if you think of flow, Mm -hmm. it's formless. So I really appreciate that perspective a lot. Yeah. And it also raises the question of what is sacred? Like, what do we honor? What's important? Because traditions come from a sense of like feeling sacred and like some people's family structures. Mm-hmm. So it's like getting rid of that concept that is boxed and doesn't allow for complete flow raises the question of then what is sacred? I think before identifying what is sacred, you have to identify um like for on a personal basis, what it is like, because what comes up is like, there are these sacred, like ways of being, but then the ways in which we attach to them is where the traditions begin. Mm. So it's like really feeling into that, like before knowing like, what is sacred? It's like, what do you value? Like, what is it that you want to carry forward? And in what ways? Yeah, it's basically the same question, but like the way you worded it is in more detail. But like it's asking the same thing that I meant to ask through that one question. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. I love that question because I always find myself thinking about that just because 
what okay sacred what is sacred to me is anything that is connected to the divine whether it's you know a tool that we use you know it's uh, for example the kapal that i have burning right now is sacred to me because it's a tool that allows me to clear my space and to tap in with the divine entities um this tree outside is divine to me because it's part of the great mother this watermelon juice i have here is hydrating me it's a plant also and yeah i guess um i always think about this because sometimes i feel uh, those who are new to spiritual practices or don't have a lineage of spiritual practices lack the respect and the awareness that this is something sacred and should be respected and it's a question i also i i guess i'm still dancing around with it right like what makes it like how do you tell someone else to respect it without making it a tradition like where's the line between that do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like like the lines could get blurred and that's where like the like the feeling into like what matters and how you want to carry it forward is important in identifying because like is it to create this other form of tradition or is it just to show up and respect the sacredness the sacredness moment to moment in the ways that feel most truest and pure in that very moment and knowing that that may change and that's where it doesn't become a tradition or so structured or rigid Mm -hmm. That's where it's living from the space of flow. Yeah. And I like how you really pointed out about like the respect. Um, because what comes to mind is like new age spirituality or just like the times of social media where a lot of people are sharing these sacred traditions or like rituals or ceremonies but not necessarily sharing the sacredness of it or like where these teachings come from. Mm. And that is getting lost in translation. So Mm. a lot of people, like you said, you're burning copal right now. People might smell it, think it smells good and and burn it, but they don't know the history of it. They don't know like how it's made, where it comes from, who used to use it, the purpose of it. And then, you know, like somebody else might smell and like, oh, I want that too. And they're just um, buying it. And then it like leads to the over harvesting and like the tainting of these sacred, you know, whatever you want to call them, like whether they're traditions, rituals, practices or tools, items. Um, So I really like that you brought that perspective up because that's something I've been sitting with a lot lately and really wanting to bring more um, like knowledge to the ancient ways so that we can all like have a better understanding and connection to where these things came from i love that so much everything you just said it made me think of uh when i was living in a spiritual community in brooklyn um i learned so much there and one of the things that i carried with me and i thought was so special was like the connection even with the just like the natives have the connection with the trees or herbs and they asked permission like hey can i can i harvest some of you today and how much of you can i harvest today when you develop 
it all comes down to connection. So when you develop a relationship with the Kapal, you don't burn Kapal just because it's your ritual or just because you want to cleanse. You burn Kapal because she asks you, I want to be burned. I want to be utilized right now. And I think that I think that highlights our whole question here. Like this is where the sacredness starts is in honoring, okay, does this plant want to be utilized? Does this watermelon juice want to, you know, help me on my journey today, right? Or this water or yeah. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Yeah, I love um, you bringing it back to the connection because, like, I do believe strongly in my heart. I know that none of us fully know, you know, like, because everything is based on how we feel. Um, but for me, that's the most in resonance is about the connection to everything and doing things from that space. So, like, I really like that you're speaking of that communication with whether it's the plant allies, the nature, like, whatever it is, like, having that two-way dialogue not just a one way like, oh, this is what I want right now. And I'm going to do X, Y, Z to fulfill my desire, like my personal, whatever it is. Yeah, it really honors reciprocity and the equal exchange of both parties who are involved. And even simply acknowledging just as you both highlighted, because I feel it's very common for us to sometimes as a society as at large to not even consider or acknowledge the fact that it's an energy source that we're communing with, not acknowledging its essence as a being, an extension of us. And through that acknowledgement comes that sacred connection, which is the root of everything that creates from a conscious space and allows to be more in a flow space. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. And I feel that it ties to something that you have on your um, Instagram bio in terms of the activating daughters of the mother into their full goddess frequency and divine power. So can you speak on that connection in terms of activating the daughters of the mother? Like, you know, when I read it, I think of you speaking of like the mother of creation, like all that is. So I just want to hear like your perspective on it. Yeah. Oh, it's so connected. In order to activate the great mother within, you need to create that connection, not only within yourself, but within your, with, you know, the plants around you, the stage that you use, if you use Kopal, um, creating that connection with Kapal, but also creating that sacred connection with your sisters. Um, and you do that by allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to be seen, allowing yourself to be heard in your imperfections, in your highs and your lows, which is something that I, I still am moving through today. Um, I have a pattern of not wanting to be a burden or uh, always being the one to support others. So it's healing me too. This, this whole, this soul work is healing me a hundred percent. And, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm grateful. Yeah, it is. It's powerful work. And that's, I feel like, what we're all here to do is to, like, enjoy life, but then also do the work to help our soul's evolution. Um, I wanted to go a little bit into sisterhood. If you can, you know, like, talk about it. I feel like it is such a important um, 
I'm smiling because there's two blue jays like just flying. If you can speak about sisterhood and the importance of it, because I feel like as goddesses, you know, like as we all connect to our highest energy, um, we connect in that way. But then if we're not in that energy, there's a lot of like, I don't know if it's like jealousy or comparison, like different things that can help and how hurtful that is to the sisterhood. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so much we can talk about when it comes to that. I guess the first thing that comes up is um, knowing the root of your wound. If you know the root of your wounds, if you can pinpoint them, if you can identify them, if you can speak them to another sister, you're bringing it to the light and nothing that comes to the light, um, everything that comes to the light is coming to the light to be acknowledged and healed. So we have to be brave enough to bring that forward because it can be shameful. Sometimes we act out of our patterns and our wounds and we don't mean to, it's just, it's reflective, right? So we can talk about, you know, um, the wounded feminine, which I resonate to very well of uh, fawning and people pleasing and um, putting others needs before my own but also in my journey, realizing that certain people bring out also my wounded masculine side, which I didn't think I resonated with. But when I look at it, I'm like, oh, this person, you know, mainly uh, men in my life bring that side of me out. And um, yeah, just... I'm getting lost in the question again. <laughs> what was the question again? Like just bringing um, awareness to the importance of the sisterhood. Okay. So, yeah, uh, it starts with the wounds. It starts with bringing forward the wounds and acknowledging that. Um, it starts with realizing that, you know, the jealousy that we do experience because the wounded masculine tends to show up in a very jealous manner or putting other women down or um, believing that they're just superior to other women in general, right? And so realizing that jealousy is a tool in itself. Your sister is your compass. Your, your jealousy of your, of your sister is your compass. And we should be using that as such. So we should be acknowledging that jealousy within us and uh, realizing that whatever we're jealous of is actually something that we want in our lives or maybe an aspect of that or something close to that even. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to turn something that has like a negative connotation, like the emotion of jealousy um, into a useful and resourceful tool. So what you had previously said about um, like sharing you know, like how if you are feeling something and then allowing yourself to be vulnerable and sharing that with another sister, just to bring that to the light, how can one navigate those feelings of like shame or guilt or anything that they're experiencing to build up the courage to to share? Um, knowing that it's not your fault. It's not your fault that this was programmed into you or you grew up seeing your mother treating women a certain way or 
you had, you know, maybe you had really abusive situations with men, or perhaps in a past life, you had a witch wound connected to this. And so you remember gathering with women and creating magic and healing with women as something negative because that very act cost you, costed you your life. Um, and yeah, and just realizing that this is also ancestral, right? Like however women were treated in your family from generations also has an effect. So realizing that it's outside of you, something that kind of like seeped into you rather that something is a part of you is key. It's, it's good to separate it. And what were the first steps that allowed you to bring healing to the sisterhood, the sisterhood wounds within you? Like, how can one begin that? I would say the first steps are finding women that are safe. I can't stress that enough. Women that are safe and having the discernment to know which ones are safe. Because just because one woman is safe for you doesn't mean it's safe for another. Sometimes we are not in alignment and that's okay. I had a really hard time with that concept. Oh, this person isn't in alignment for me. Cause I was like, oh no, you know, I don't want her to think that I hate her or that I have, you know, a problem with her or for her feelings to be hurt. But if it's not in alignment, it's not in alignment. It doesn't go together and that's okay. I sometimes look at it like, you know, that video game analogy that we always use about the universe. But like if y'all played Zelda and Y'all remember walking around with your little character. You're talking to this guy over here, or this woman over here, getting a ruby or getting a tool from this person or a weapon from the other person. Not Those characters stay right there and you continue on your path. Some characters come along with you to that next level, right? And so we have to create that separation within ourselves and not and allow ourselves to not feel guilty for choosing discernment because it could get a little bit sticky in the future if you don't um, follow those nudges. So I would say discernment of the safe women uh, or women that you perceive to be safe in your life, gathering with them. What comes up when you share that is the instances where, and this is me speaking from like personal experience, where I may have trusted another sister and then receive some sort of rejection or receive some sort of hurt and then associating that pain with other sisters and like um, contributing more to the sisterhood wound instead of giving others the opportunity and like using my discernment to feel safe in connection with other women. Um, so I wanted to point that out. Like even if you may have been hurt in the past, you know, like everybody is so different and that's why using the discernment, the trust and just like within ourselves, because I'm sure like all of us can also have times where we have hurt other women, you know. Um, so just being so mindful and treating all of our sisters the way that we wish to be treated and love them the way that we wish to receive the love. Yeah, and it also what also came to mind was the concept of the misalignments with certain relationships and how 
I've been revisiting my relationship to the term and the concept of misalignments and really extending grace to the circumstances that arise that can be perceived as misaligned in my life as great teachers and resources to really allow me to see where I can be in greater alignment within myself to then have that be reflected in my outer world and how from that um, inner reflection within myself and that inner curiosity, it helps me see um, other sisters through a more compassionate lens and not feel like um, we're misaligned at the root and the heart of us because I feel in the root and heart of us where we all desire the same things, um, but sometimes it can feel easier to dismiss someone because of where they are or because of lack of understanding, but really bringing forward more compassion has really aided me in encountering those who are living differently than I do, but still be able to show up as a compassionate, loving sister. I love that. Yeah, it makes me think of like when we were navigating the misalignment in jobs, how like they were serving a purpose. Um, I'm trying to like connect back to that time, but it was like it feels so long ago because <laughs> that's where that concept was born from. Like the it's not really a misalignment. It's just like where we're at with ourselves and how we're like seeing things because the like the thing that we're blaming as a misalignment um is serving purpose and it's like are we willing to open up ourselves to that to receive the medicine that it has but like when connecting it to the like sisters or like sisterhood wound if it's a misalignment like I feel that it's important to emphasize like to use your discernment you know like not to force something that you don't feel resonates or like doesn't feel good for you just for the sake of like receiving medicine um, because that can be like detrimental to you trying to fix this sisterhood wound that might live within. Yeah. And what comes to mind um, when you say that is the act of people pleasing. And we think that it's an act of selfish selflessness, but it's really an act of selfishness disguised because sometimes we think we are, you know, we may be caring and empathetic beings, but we're actually being dishonest with ourselves and our core feelings and that could affect the relationship down the road. So we don't, you know, sometimes we're in a place where I can speak for myself. I, I don't want to feel that temporary discomfort of setting the boundary or creating the space. And it ends up in a, yeah, a sticky situation in the future or an uncomfortable situation or hurt or pain, rejection. Yeah, I really appreciate that because it highlights the concept of boundaries and I would love to hear your insights surrounding that concept and how you integrate that into your life because it's true it's so important because it's at one point do we become a doormat and are we extending ourselves past our capacity where we're serving from an empty cup because we haven't considered ourselves or created those boundaries yeah I mean it's I feel like boundaries is such a long journey it's still definitely something that is um growing within me and 
I would say when we feel the discomfort or that feeling of being drained within the relationship, really taking the time to yourself to sit with that and look at the root of it and discern whether it's for you or if it's not for you, right? Because like you said before, it could be a learning and growing opportunity, but um, when it becomes unhealthy or very triggering to you, that's when you know, okay, I need to take this, I need to communicate this to this person. And if this person is able to receive me in a healing conversation, in a in a mutual conversation, then we can continue this because we both want to grow. But if only one side wants to grow or respect the other, then the best thing you can do is love them from afar. Yeah, I like what came up immediately was like what is needed to occur before it gets to that space. So like in terms of and it's something that like I'm still learning myself. I feel like boundaries is an ever evolving situation, especially people who like try to live from the heart space, because like Deandra said, it's a very fine line between being so giving of yourself and then being a doormat and giving so much of yourself, like the overextending. And like what Phoenix shared about people pleasing too. Yeah, exactly. Where the root of the overextending comes from. Um, and what was I going to say? Dang, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, it'll come back if it's meant to. Oh, (laughs) I really wanted to highlight that it was like, we all had our own version of the same thing show up. And it's really cool to highlight how there's different verbiages but at the root of it, it's the same concept of the boundaries and like that ever growing relationship with how we relate to the concept. I remember what I was going to say um, in terms of setting the boundaries before. So like you have to establish boundaries with yourself before you can establish boundaries with others. And then as you continue life and as you develop new relationships, you need to reestablish boundaries with yourself because like I mentioned, it is ever evolving So like constantly checking in, like, okay, like what are my boundaries? And that's so different for everybody. But if we respect our own boundaries, we're now like making sure that people meet us respecting our boundaries. But if we don't have boundaries, that's like an open invitation to just do whatever you please with me. And then I'll have to be reactive instead of having already set the like tone for this relationship. Right. And sticking to it throughout, I found myself... Uh, giving uh, people in my life too many chances just because again the people pleasing shows up and um, it's important that we yeah just stay remain grounded throughout the whole relationship yeah now when you say about the chances I feel like it's so healing this conversation because it's so relevant to like everyday life But where can you draw, like, the line between giving chances, closing off your heart, like, just shutting somebody out because, you know, like, it's a one-way street. There's no, like, mutual exchange of respect. Like, where does that change to, like, yes, like, I'm establishing boundaries, I'm respecting myself, and then that, like, fine line of, okay, now my heart's closed and I just don't want to deal. 
That's such a good question. Something I'm allowing to evolve within myself currently. Um, I definitely agree with the notion that we should allow our heart to remain open. And during these conflicts and things that arise in our lives, having practices that um, allow us and kind of strengthen us in our openness of the heart, right? But then noticing when, not that the heart closes, but when your emotions are guiding you as the compass, like, okay, I don't care anymore. Not just, not because I don't care about you, but I just, I'm detached, right? Like I'm, I'm moving on. It's time to move on. I don't, I, I'm not sure if I'm explaining, explaining that correctly, but if I could describe it a little bit more, it's like this levity that comes over you about the whole scenario, about the situation. And you're like, oh, it's okay. And it's okay that it's not okay. And it's not for me. By remaining with like the heart open. So you're not, yeah, I really like that emphasis because it's not that you just don't care about the person or the situation. Like you still care about the person as you care about everyone but you're not allowing like your energy to be like maybe poured, like sucked out of you in terms of a situation that's unhealthy. Absolutely. That was the visual I got, like as you were explaining. Yeah. Now in terms of, because I feel all of this is so connected, like it all really begins with ourselves. So like you can't show up for a relationship unless you're showing up from yourself. And something that you have been sharing for a while now is the goddess um, self-acceptance Sunday. And I noticed that you have like the goddess sass now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Like, I love the name. It's, it's so on brand. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit about that and the importance of it? Yeah. So every Sunday on my stories, I... For me, being in a swimsuit is quite vulnerable. Um, and I like to bring that forward because, you know, it's assumed because you're conventionally beautiful or people perceive you as beautiful that you must not have insecurities and you must just think you're perfect all the time and you're mu you must feel yourself all the time, which isn't true. We all have, you know, our own past with our bodies, with the way we nourished ourselves um, and our traumas. So it's important that we take the space. And it's one of my favorite things ever is to literally, okay, take three things that you love about your body inside or outside. It could be, you know, my mind, my creativity, or it could be my, my booty, my waistline, like anything, your hair, anything, anything. Can we do a vulnerability moment and do it right now, all of us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I'll go first. Mm, my hair, my boobs, my laughter. Ooh, laughter's a good one. That. I love your laughter so much. It's so <laughs> Oh, thank you. Okay. Mine, what do I love about myself? I love my willingness. 
I love my skin. My skin is one that I'm really like developing a great relationship with lately. And I love my my heart. Yes. <laughs> okay, I definitely the first thing that came to mind for me was my heart. The second one is my consciousness. And the third is my hands to create. Ooh, love <laughs> it. Yeah, and I love that because at times, like, we are really feeling that. Like, I feel like we are all bringing ourselves in this moment, but there are times that we're not. And one practice that I really like, as uncomfortable as it is, you know, already it can be uncomfortable just you in the mirror, but you in the mirror and social media is like, oh, you know, just really putting yourself out there. But there are times that, you know, old stories come back about certain body parts or some certain aspects within ourselves. And this is our opportunity to reframe that and rewire that pattern, right? So if we choose, for example, um, stretch marks or like maybe my booty isn't as perky as it used to be, I could say, oh, it's my perky booty or my, my beautiful zebra stripes or whatever you want to call it. And throughout the week, um, I encourage those who participate every single time they look in the mirror or any reflections, a store, a car, whatever, to just rehearse that to yourself. And that creates that pattern of like looking at something positive in the mirror because oftentimes we pick ourselves apart. We're so mean to ourselves and we don't deserve that. We're goddesses. Innately, we are. <laughs> I love the mirror work concept because. Um, and that's where, like, my answer of the skin, if I'll be, like, vulnerable and share further. And that's why I love that practice so much because you can take something that you're self-conscious about or not so confident and really embody it and develop that relationship with it. So now you're loving yourself, like, all of you, no matter where you're at in that particular moment. So I really love it. I love when you share it. When I catch them, I'm like, yes. And I, like, always, like, think to myself, like, what is it? But I'm going to really start incorporating the mirror work aspect of it. That makes sense. It's, it's, so so <laughs> it's so powerful, this work, when there's such a continuous inner dialogue that we all carry with ourselves, especially with the highlight of social media in this day and age. It's beautiful to use that space to, to combat the things that social media can create more division. So it's beautiful to use that tool for the reverse and to bring more connection essentially to all of us and to ourselves first and foremost and shifting the narrative. And like what I love is that the concept of like this, like this beauty standard that has been being created on social media, you know, like the filters and just this one way that every woman, woman is supposed to look um, to be considered like beautiful or attractive and like, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, like, you know, forget that stuff. Let's honor ourselves. Like, let's admire, let's love, let's connect to our like physical vessel that does so much for us and also like the internal aspect of us. Yeah. And that's really what inspired me to start this because um, I started this in the beginning of 2020 because I was so 
So I've now been in the fitness industry for eight years. At that time, I think it was just five. Yeah, math. Um, five or six years. And one of the things I really disliked is how, you know, our leaders within, you know, these gyms would attach our worth to our, our the way that our bodies looked, right? Instead of how we feel, how we use our body, what we can do with our body. And that really, that brings a womb fire within me. It just... It really angers me, and it's this sacred anger that comes forth because I'm so connected to the goddess and the goddess portal, and um, it makes me happy to see a woman in her full truth and her full authenticity, whatever that looks like. A girl, you know, if you're sexy and you're on the floor, you twerking, that's cool. If you're, you know, awkward dancing and doing all these weird movements, that's cool too. Like, I love all of it as long as it's fully you. Like, I want to see it being expressed. And one, and I love that you talked about social media because, yeah, that's another thing. Like, I wouldn't, I would see my coworkers, like, I know what they look like in real life, and then see their social media and they're editing their nose and their waist and this and that. I'm like, you're gorgeous. You're gorgeous already. You're perfect and whole and complete. Why are you doing this? Why are you creating this space where now there are younger women looking at you, knowing you in person, perhaps, maybe, or seeing you in a video, because you can't edit that in a video. And noticing the differences. What do you, what example? Oh, and that gets me so tight. Like I feel the womb fire coming up now because you're setting this example for these younger women that haven't tapped into their goddess frequency yet. You're paving a way and that's not the way to be paving. <laughs> yeah. I could resonate with the, like the fire that it can cause to arise because I think of like just the children, I think of all of the young little girls who I already see. I was driving in my neighborhood and I saw like a bunch of, I guess, like school kids getting out of school. And the way that they like were showing up is so different from what I remember my childhood being. And, you know, like, I don't know if that's because they truly want to do it or if that's the standard and they're trying to like uphold the standard or like they don't feel confident they don't feel beautiful and that brings my heart like so much pain because we are all so beautiful no matter like what you think you are so beautiful yes. yeah. flowers yeah that's, that's the flowers in the goddess portal yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's the goddess embodiment you know yeah. like the energy that you radiate like these um self-acceptance sunday sis the goddess ass, like all of it, that is the goddess embodiment right there. Mm. And I personally believe like we need more of that. Like we need to see this more. We need to all show up as ourselves more without the filters, without whatever. Like, the, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> I love that you said that about the filters. I hate filters. Okay. I know, um, I know they could be fun. Okay. I get that. But personally, I, I, of course, have my own insecurities, but when filters started becoming popular, I noticed these, you know, like, I was like, oh, should I get a lip filler? Should I do this? Should I do? I'm like, hold up. I never thought that about myself until I started using filters. And they're so dangerous because it then, when you do show up with your bare face, no makeup or whatever, which I think is also important to do, 
you feel so less than and so unworthy and so yeah like not in your power yeah yeah so i think it's important to highlight that yeah i love it and what came to mind when you were saying about the filters was like the metaphorical mask that we all talk about like oh you have your true self and then you have this mask for this group of people or like this mask for where you work and that's what the filter is doing it's like providing the shield or this mask for us to be seen in the way that we desire to be perceived based on some sort of programming that we ultimately are not enough and it's Mm. like no let's like start reprogramming ourselves, connecting to our power and recognizing that we are more than enough. Yeah. We're perfect for simply existing and that alone makes us worthy. And it's really so beautiful because you're a trailblazer in this line of work because this isn't commonly seen on platforms like social media. And it's so important. And I know like that in itself being one of the first requires so much courage and bravery to create the path that's has to be outlined by you and having to face yourself in the countless ways that I'm sure you have and how we all do, but especially when leading from such a vulnerable heart space to show up and say that, no, like enough is enough. Like this is what's important and standing up for that is so beautiful. Yeah. I think that is really like the goddess code healing that you speak about, you know, like you are, like living and showing and reflecting the work that you're trying to teach others. So it's beautiful to witness it. Yeah. Like it's so powerful, like being able to be vulnerable and perfectly imperfect and knowing that it's the best it's as it should be is such powerful work when so many are telling you otherwise or what you're seeing outside of you is is saying the complete opposite and still choosing to live and honor this path is so sacred it's it's very powerful work yeah Yeah. and it's attractive you know like it's attractive it's like yes now you just seeing you do it Because there are times, you know, like, and I think, again, the vulnerability aspect is so important because it allows others to feel safe being vulnerable. But there are times, too, that, like, we are going to be on the podcast or, like, on an Instagram live. And it's like, oh, like, my bags. Oh, like this. Like, oh, people usually put makeup on. I don't like wearing makeup. So it's, like, not um, folding to those outside pressures because I do have role models that I can look at like you, you know, like, okay, she's showing up in her bikini talking about her legs. So what Mm -hmm. if she can do that? I can do that too. And it's really nice. It's empowering. Yeah. It's so important to highlight that like real life example to share how it really comes up and the ways that those who are making positive change influence us in a way that may not always be celebrated or you may not always hear the feedback of the impact that you're making, but it's important to sometimes hear it, you know, it really makes the journey that much more united knowing that like you are touching lives in your own unique way, like it's a constant every single day of like, okay, yep, however I am, that's how I'm going to be accepted because I have to accept myself because this is who I am. Like there's no hiding. And especially when we increase our self-awareness and then do things that kind of puts masks, masks, masses us. It's like, it's, um, 
it creates like a sad narrative knowing that like you're doing it consciously and it's like no like you're we're so beautiful we're so deserving as we are and it's beautiful to have people in our life that accept us fully and like see the beauty in our like raw form i just love it Mm, you're making me emotional (laughs) (laughs) i receive all of what you said it was definitely oh it's 11 11 it's definitely nice to hear the feedback because it's not always um given and it's important to give and receive um on this journey so i really appreciate y'all you know sharing the piece um yeah, it, it, it has me speechless and at loss for words. <laughs> a message that keeps coming through, like I was trying to ignore it, but is in terms of the feedback. So you saying that part makes me feel like inclined to share it is like whatever you are doing, like if anybody's listening and this resonates, if you're doing something and you're uncertain about it, but you're trying to show up in your authentic way. And you may not be receiving the feedback or the emotion that you expected. Don't allow that to discourage you. Continue showing up because you have no idea like the amount of souls and the magnitude of the work that you're doing has on others. Like even if others don't share it with you, know that you're doing something for a reason. And as long as your intention is from the heart space and you are showing up authentically with the greatest good being shared for others, it's going to be received. So like, don't allow the fear or discouragement to get in the way of your purpose and your, your soul's work. I love that. That's such an important message. Yeah. It highlights also like the interconnectedness of us all. Like if just you yourself are embodying this path in because we all share one essence, it ripples out. So that in itself, like if we intuitively feel the calling to follow a path, it's for a reason. And that alone can be something that we can tap into to validate our journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that this whole, you know, conversation is being presented in my reality because it highlights my wound of receiving that affirmation of receiving that praise right it's uncomfortable it makes me want to change the subject or be like oh yeah okay thank you so you can you know stop talking but (laughs) it's also a practice to allow others to praise you and to love you and to see you yeah and i feel that like touches on the sisterhood like the importance of the sisterhood like boost your sisters up you know Uh, girls up (laughs) the reciprocity too like you are giving so much so it is good to also receive especially Mm -hmm. from those who are consciously receiving from you and speaking of circles like the sisterhood circle and things like that can you talk a little bit about your rising goddess circle and what that entails yes of course so the rising goddess circle is a private group on facebook and what we do is we meet three times a month. It used to be two times a month, but I'm changing it for May to be three times a month. And basically I tap in, I ask which goddesses want to come through for any theme or healing. Um, and then the third, the third, so the, that's two um, events. Two of those events are goddess-based and it could be like an astral travel or a healing, um, 
after traveling to a goddess temple and healing within that temple or astral traveling together to um uh, i don't know for example oh my gosh this really cool thing happened um where i've been taking my goddesses to i know i'm segueing but like it's so cool and i want to share it but <laughs> so there's this really beautiful absolutely gorgeous place we've been going to it within our healings and uh when I went on a hike with a brother in Peru, I realized that this is a real place. Everything that I described was exactly as I was seeing it and we were all seeing it within this healing place. So it just goes to show the interconnectedness and how powerful these things are, right? So yeah, we do those. I just had to share that because like, it's my favorite memory uh at this moment <laughs> uh, it's really cool that you journey to a place astrally before physically visiting it that's yeah i was like am i tripping like it was hold up i gotta show this to somebody else you know that the, the healing with um that's been present in those healings with me and it, it's just so magical but yeah um and then the third the third event is going to be i'm bringing these back because my body is feeling strong and feeling whole like I can lead these classes again and it's called rise together and that's just embodying the sexiness the sensuality um hip opening exercises and ending with a little uh goddess code healing um you both experienced the first iterations of that and I'm so grateful for that you know and that was sisterhood in itself that was like the example of the sisterhood that I needed as I was navigating how to bring this forth because I knew this was what I was supposed to do, but I had no idea how to do it. And so I just want to extend my gratitude towards y'all because that was the support that I needed to get that started. Um, but yeah, Rise Together started off as a, it was more on the fitnessy side and exercises and, you know, get your heart rate up. And it really involved into more of a um, full body embodiment practice. Um, and I feel that as goddesses, it's important to connect to our sensuality, our sexuality, um, and open up our hips to release the new traumas stored in there. Um, and just remove that stigma when it comes to being your full sexy self. Like, it's okay to twerk and be spiritual it's okay to roll on the floor and do all this you know there's this move called vagina monster that i love it's hilarious like the name of it but like yeah just allowing space to flow within your goddess um yeah your goddess embodiment um so that's number three and one thing that's coming through soon um i've been feeling called to do goddess code transmissions which are group readings where, you know, depending on how many people show up, everybody gets a chance to hear from a goddess. Maybe the same goddess, maybe a different goddess. I don't know yet, we'll see. But um, that's what's being offered in the Rising Goddess Circle. And I'm so excited to bring that through and watch it evolve and grow. Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> just from like my personal experience of the rising together I know how much fun I had and how empowering I felt after so all of those offerings sound really unique and amazing and I think like as women we need time and space to just be free be sexy be fun without having all of our responsibilities like weighing us down 
Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so true. And it's such a simple thing that can be so like obvious that we don't recognize it all the time because we're too consumed in our day-to-day life Mm -hmm. and our responsibility. So it's very important. Yeah. Now, if you can, we'll make sure that we link all of your information in the show notes, but can you tell anybody listening who wants to connect where they can find information about uh, the Rising Goddess Circle or connect with you personally? So you can find me at uh, on Instagram under um, it's at underscore the goddess code underscore and also on TikTok. And my website is thegoddesscode.org. Okay, okay. Now we have some questions that we like to wrap up and we ask each of our guests. So (laughs) can you please tell us what being looks like and feels like for you? Um, Being looks like being, not doing. Being the pure essence, uh, showing up in the pure essence of who I am, remaining in the present moment. Simple. I love it. It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Super simple. Yes. And it always brings it back to how easy it can be to be and like to recognize when you slip out of the state of being and you enter the doing. Right. I feel like we add so many words and so so much again structure to things and that becomes more of the doing. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back. Yes. I love it. I receive that just on a personal note because I constantly am working through over explaining, just talking too much, saying something when it could be like in a short sentence than saying it through like a paragraph lens. So I receive that. Thank you. Um, Do you have a favorite quote or a favorite mantra? Mm. it's coming to me I guess my favorite mantra if I'm honest that I repeat to myself often is all is well and everything works out for my good and also there is enough for everybody because the sisterhood wounds are also connected to scarcity and that there's not enough love and resources for everybody to go around because yeah yeah i love both of those so much because they're very reassuring Mm -hmm. and that second one needs to be shared more like the concept of gatekeeping because of scarcity and like all of the things that come from it like, no, there's enough for everyone. Look at the world we live on. It's an abundant planet. Yeah, and back to the sisterhood wound, that's one of the things is the scarcity. The scarcity that there's not enough for everybody because we used to be women that didn't have any rights. And in order to, to survive, we um, depended on a man. And so if a ma- if our man was stolen from us or, some, or he died or something happened to us, then it would be very difficult for us to survive. So it's, um, we can understand why we today have that ingrained in our DNA. And when we have that understanding, we create room for healing that. 
and to realize that we don't need to, that there is enough for everyone and we don't need to act out of scarcity. I love that you just shared that because it shows how the scarcity mindset is connected to like fear-based thinking and like it brings compassion forward. So it's like, yes, if men were the caretakers and somebody like stole your man, now like you're left trying to figure it out. And it's like, oh my God, I like, send so much compassion to that person as opposed to like the judgment that can arise from like somebody being a gatekeeper or operating from the the like mm. lack mindset. Right. Yeah. And it also highlights um, leading with curiosity and compassion before the judgment to try and figure out where do these things come from when we see them in ourselves or in others. Yeah. Like that wisdom of the origin really does help bring in compassion and understanding. Yeah. And another question that we ask everyone is, what do you value now that you once didn't? Mm. I love how y'all switched it up because I, <laughs> <laughs> I know what they're going to ask at the end. What do I value now that I once didn't? Oh, I, I have to say, number one, just because I, I recently got back to the States after being in the, you know, in the beautiful valley and mountains of Peru is the connection to the great mother and how, you know, when we are living in certain areas of this planet, we don't have access to, to nature. And the great mother really amplifies that goddess energy within. So definitely, I got to say nature. That's again, it's so simple, but it's so profound. Mm -hmm. And lastly, is there a message um, that you want to share that hasn't been spoken about? Or if you have like one last takeaway for our audience, what would it be? Mm. I would say drop the comparison. That's a big, big thing I feel like is very prevalent in our communities is the comparison to one another. We each came onto this planet with our own unique frequency, with our own unique goddess embodiment or goddess frequency. And we should honor that just as each flower requires a different amount of water or sunlight in um, conditions, we are the same. And we stop ourselves from being this beautiful rose or this beautiful peony or this beautiful sunflower if you're a sunflower over here trying to be like a rose so remain in your beautiful space thank you i love it, love it. what came to mind when you were sharing i do have another question actually um for the men listening you know like for the if kings or gods however they want to refer to themselves uh, what can this episode share with them? Mm. Wow, that's a good one. We could do a whole episode from that perspective. Wow. I love that you said that because I do have a lot of men who participate in the goddess staff, and I allow them to because why, why shouldn't they also participate? I feel like men are forgotten in a lot of spaces, and they're forgotten in the space of accepting their bodies as well. So... I would say acceptance of the self in the same way that the goddess. So God, you need to accept yourself in the same way and also have compassion for your, the woman in your life or the women in your life for the things that they have to move through. 
um, when they chose to be a woman on this planet, they chose a big role. You know, as men, yes, men get rejected and they're, they feel very unseen. But as women, we have to, you know, look our, over our shoulders sometimes. We have, even from our own sisters or, you know, giving birth and um, having our moon cycles. If we're in balance, we can go through a lot of pain and just have compassion for all the things that we're moving through and we're unlearning in this life um, when it comes to the sisterhood wound. Because once you have the understanding of why she is behaving the way that she is, it allows you to see her in a different way, in a different light. I love it. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I do. Because, you know, like men have their feminine energy. I guess this is another question. <laughs> Would you say that like men can connect to the goddess energy? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that is, I think a man that can connect with his feminine energy and to the goddess energy is a whole man. Because when you are too much in your mouth, girl, girl (laughs) you are in your full masculine and feminine and you allow those two to merge you can really see not only your 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 partner your wife your the one the women in your life but yourself in in wholeness because you're you're able not only are you able to provide and protect and you know all that that um, the divine masculine is expected to do but you can also show up in a way that you can provide emotionally and really hold space for the wild feminine for all the ups and downs that we go through because we are so multifaceted as women so it benefits us all (laughs) i love the answers thank you so much for that the perspective is Oh man, I love it. I really do. Thank you for the whole perspective. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us, for sharing the medicine and the wisdom, for bringing light to the importance of the sisterhood and for everything that you have shared. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful for y'all in my life. <laughs> mm, big hugging. <laughs> and that's a wrap. thank you for listening continue flowing in your own space by simply being if this resonated with you and you feel called please be sure to follow us like and share until next time wherever you go give yourself space space to to flow flow. How do you feel? Oh, I feel so much better than in the beginning. <laughs> I, feel, I definitely feel like, yeah, just more free and open and willing to share what it is that comes to mind. So I appreciate y'all for popping my my uh, podcast, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so cool. I love the conversation so much. Yeah. Thank you for being here and for like being willing to show up, even though this is your first time and for sharing so much wisdom, even on your first rodeo, you know? Thank you. Yeah. I feel like it's totally a part of my own healing. As I was sharing with Jerrica, I'm 
working on opening my throat chakra and sharing my truth. So yeah, it's very in alignment for for me to show up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is like the first time that we've ever had anyone talk about these things. And it's crazy to me. Yeah, being like two women who run this show, that's one. But also like this aspect of spirituality goes so unheard. It's like almost like a taboo topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, crazy, like highlighting as two women, the fact that we don't get into it. So like, wow. Thank yeah. you, you know? Yeah. It speaks to oh, the healing. Yeah, it needs to come to light. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like, you know, there was so much more that I would have liked to share. In a, but like, I trust that whatever was meant to come through came through. And yeah. You this could always funny. return. Yeah. yeah. We'll spark the curiosity at least. Uh, for women to do further research or maybe go look at the content that I already have and yeah I just keep saying it's such important work because it really is and especially like for me it highlights like the fact that we are two women and it's very common in this day and age for like all people to be more in their masculine energy which can also explain like why this hasn't come up in this kind of way on our platform yeah I feel like the vulnerability of like like, that's what I was afraid of. I was like, oh, my God. Like, so many times I was like, I'm going to cancel. I'm just going to schedule. And I'm going to, like, prepare more. And I'm going to do these throat chakra activations. I'm going to do this and that and the other. But, like, part of the process, just, like, showing up on Sundays is showing up in my imperfection. And how I get lost in the questions or I misunderstand something or, like, maybe I have explained something. But it's, it's just part of the growth, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. With, with yeah. that. Yeah, and as you showed up, like, one, thank you for not canceling, because I'm so grateful. <laughs> you know, like, the podcast needed this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, not understanding the questions. It was really cool, though, that that came up, like, in a certain point, because it's something we actively try to work on. So, like, it helps us. Like, you know, like, every little thing serves a purpose in such a grand way. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not necessarily that you misexplained it. It's that I get so overwhelmed um, because I'm like, oh, no, that's a really complicated question. I don't know. Oh, am I going to answer this correctly? And I get in my head instead of being in the moment and, like, really listening to you. Yeah. yeah. It's a two-way street for sure because it's something, like Jerga says, like, we're working on it always, too. So, like, it's an equal give and take. Mm-hmm. And it's important to extend the grace because, like, alternatively you could have canceled and then remained where you were but now you took this step that is only just helping you grow level up yeah level up, level up. <laughs> oh my god yeah exactly and in that level up we leveling up too you know like you providing the wisdom that only you can provide in the way that you can do it and yeah. like look at now we're gonna have a whole series on it <laughs> And hopefully we'll have you back and so you can join us. That would be amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. So much gratitude, really.